I'd like to lead us in, a, in prayer this morning, and then we'll continue our time of worship and with singing. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful once again to come before you, to offer you the best of ourselves this morning. Will you receive all of our worship? May it bring you great joy in this moment. God, you are the great God. You are the God who sent your son Jesus to earth. This baby Jesus that we think about and celebrate and, and await on this Christmas morning. It's amazing that you chose to do it this way. It's not how we would have maybe worked out your plans. And often this reminds us that your plans are mysterious at times. And yet you invite us to continue seeking your face day in and day out. You promised to be with us through the power of your loving presence. You left us your Holy Spirit to help guide our steps. Lord, will you help us to remember that and to lean into that in this season? So today we say, welcome, Jesus, our humble, gentle Savior. Welcome to Bethlehem, where we have loved and fought and longed for the peace that this world ultimately can never give, but only you can. We ask for your peace, your love, your gentleness, and the courage to live that way as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We've been uh, looking at this theme of rediscovering Christmas, and I think it's appropriate for us to do that. You know, this Christmas is unlike others. It's obviously very different than last year when we pretty much weren't doing anything or couldn't go anywhere. It was a lot of virtual gatherings. So the last time we physically were sort of in this space in this way was two years ago for many of you. And we've been looking at the four key traits that often we talk about in the Christmas season, hope, peace, joy, and love, and how we can sort of find those in these troubling times. Because there's still good news. In fact, I've said this before, that the good news of Jesus Christ never changes. It's the same message as it always has been, but how it gets communicated always changes. Jesus illustrated for that ta- us time and time again in how he almost like customized the good news to all of the different people that he interacted with on earth. I want to start today with a story. It involves a cat. There were these two neighbors, and they had been neighbors for a long time. Isn't that a cute little kitty? If you're a cat person, I suppose. This is actually a cat that is a farm cat. It's a stray cat, so it might look nice, but uh, don't, don't let it fool you. This thing can be vicious if you give it a chance. And these two neighbors actually couldn't stand each other. They lived right next to each other. They had a long-standing feud all over a cat like this. You see, a stray cat showed up in their area, and they were cat guys, and they both started feeding this cat and claimed it as their own. And this dispute over whose cat it was actually led them on a 
spiral that for something that seems so silly or trivial actually spiraled out of control into this bitter feud. And these two guys quit talking to one another. And it actually escalated to the point where one of them went out to their property and dug a little ditch to cause a creek to kind of bypass and create an actual barrier between their two properties. He didn't like the other guy that much that he was willing to go to that length. And when the first guy did that, the second guy grew frustrated and actually contacted a local carpenter and said, I want you to build me a fence because I can't stand my neighbor. I want you to build it big and high so I don't even have to see him or his property. And the carpenter said, okay, I can build you a fence, but it's going to take a whole lot more wood than what you have right now. So the guy went and got some more wood, and meanwhile the carpenter got to work building with what was on hand. And when the neighbor came back to his property, he looked out at his land, but he did not see a fence. He saw that the carpenter had actually completely done the opposite and had used the planks to build a bridge across this creek. And of course, the second guy, was he was all confused by that. And then as he walked up to the bridge, he noticed that there was his neighbor who actually was walking towards him. And he got a little bit anxious. And the guy crossed the bridge and actually stuck out his hand and said, this has all gotten out of control. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That story is actually used by singer-songwriter's name is David Wilcox, and he has a song called Fearless Love. It's a very challenging song if you have the chance to look it up and read the lyrics. But the chorus of his song is, Fearless Love Makes You Cross the Border. And he uses that illustration of those two guys with their dispute to intro his song. And it's a song about a man who gets injured at a protest that a bunch of church folks are at. And it forces them to realize, how are we actually going to follow what Jesus said when he says love, not just our neighbor, but love our enemy? Friends, this is what Jesus lived out in the world. Fearless love makes you cross the border. It's a love that defies and upends and overcomes fear. The love that Jesus brings is the only power that can bridge divides that will appear irrevocably or irreversibly damaged to you or me. Can we find love amid our disagreements, our divisions, and our differences? Jesus would say, absolutely. We might not always be as hopeful. This entire month, we've been looking at different characters in the Christmas story. We've looked at a variety of people. And when we look at all of the people represented in the Christmas story, we realize that Jesus' birth actually brings people together in ways that maybe we didn't consider across different divides and cultures and beliefs, contrasts of young and old, insiders and outsiders. We looked at Simeon and Anna. 
who were waiting for God's promises of a Messiah and finally getting to see the one in that little baby Jesus. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. We see the faithful Zechariah and Elizabeth receiving surprising yet great news that they too were going to have a baby at a very old age. And that baby was going to play a role in the coming of Christ, to announce the coming of Christ. We see the shepherds that are given the good news by the angels, earth and heaven coming together, the physical and the spiritual. And as we see everyone surround the stable, the animals are present as well. All of creation waits expectantly for this birth. Now, a lot of that shows up in the Gospel of Luke. If you also read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, we also see another group of people show up. Those magi. The ones we sang about, often as the three kings that we sing about. Who were those mysterious visitors from the East? All we really know is that they had read the signs and they followed the star from far away to find and worship the promised Messiah. Most importantly for us, though, these three guys are not Jewish. They're Gentiles. And their inclusion in Jesus' birth echoes the radical idea that Christ the Messiah came to bring salvation, offer redemption, and restoration for all people, not just his own people. So this diverse cast of people that God assembled for the arrival of his son is far from the expectations that we would have or could imagine. It's probably even farther from the expectations of people who were alive in that day, who lived and breathed within the culture and all of its divisions. It's impossible to overstate the number and type of differences, divisions, and disagreements that this one birth could and would transcend. But in that little baby, God revealed the true power of his love. It's a power great enough to come to earth and save it, you and me, and redeem all of creation. Now we know that love is way too big of a theme to cover in one short stint. So I'm just going to highlight one truth about God's love this morning and what that means for those who place their trust in Jesus. And the truth is this, Jesus is love embodied. Love embodied. In other words, in the flesh, living, breathing love in its best sense of the word. We've said before that Emmanuel is God with us. So that means that in the birth of Jesus, love is with us. And when you look at the Bible and you read different passages, there is love from cover to cover. All sorts of different types and ways that love gets expressed. 
both from God and from human. From the very beginning, God made humankind and he shared time with them in the garden as both companions and as children. That love did not go away even when sin entered the world, even though it brought death and brokenness and separation from companionship with God. God did not give up on us then, and he does not give up on us now. In fact, in that moment, the next steps of his plan were already starting to play out. That would eventually lead to the redemption and restoration of creation, including you and me and all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. So what we celebrate in Jesus' birth is actually a reunion with love itself. In 1 John 4, this love is described in depth. Let me read a few verses for us. 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The word emphatically says God is love. God personifies love, and we see that in the person of Jesus Christ. When we come to Jesus, we give him our lives, we become redeemed and restored to love. We live in him and he lives in us. We can count on God's love. It will never fail us, no matter how much the love of other people may fail us from time to time. The love of God fills and fuels us. It calls and enables us actually to love one another. Without God's love, none of that would be possible. Because of this, it means that God's love, present in Christ himself, actually does something. It defines and directs you. This is what the love of God should lead all of us towards where love actually defines and directs us. Another way of saying that is it can orient and propel us forward. By the way, I tried to, I tried to get it straight, and my OCD was like all out of whack this morning, and then I, I made it even worse. So in case you're wondering, that was, that was me. You see, when Jesus came, he established a reconnection to God himself. And he showed love over and over again in his life. 
Near the end of his life here on earth, he met with his closest followers for a final time, and he gave them one last bit of teaching to make it crystal clear of what he expects of his followers. And it's this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Ooh, that's so hard. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13. Jesus was such a teacher. He was such like a a teacher at heart. And he so wanted his followers while he was here on earth. He knew he had limited time. And he wanted to make sure that they learn to love like he does. He made it look easy. But love is not easy. Anything that you want to get good at, what does it take? It takes a lot of work and practice. How much practice has it taken for you on the ballet stage, Amanda? A lot of practice? Yeah. How long has it taken each of you in your various avenues of life, the skills and the things that you have cultivated through the years? It takes a lot of work to get good at something. Love is no exception. Sometimes we think it will just come naturally. And honestly, it doesn't. It's hard to love like Jesus did. How will people know that they are followers of Jesus? He makes it clear by our love, just like the song. There's that old song, and they'll know we are Christians by our marching. No, love. No, love. Seriously. If you're known more about what you are against than what you are for and about, then you're probably not being as close of a disciple as you should. Love is what defines those who follow and walk with God. It marks you and characterizes you, at least we know it should. And if we're honest, the big C church, of which we are a part of, hasn't always done so great a job at this. We can all think of public examples in our time that make us cringe with anger or embarrassment at those unloving, even hateful acts, sometimes perpetrated in the name of God. I've done a lot of cringing over the last couple years. But at the same time, we must also remember that the church is not just this thing that's hard to nail down. It's made up of people. The church is a body of people. Imperfect people who, if we are honest, must first take a look in the mirror. We are not always good at loving and loving one another. It's why each one who follows Christ as Lord and Savior must lean in to see and move towards those opportunities in this season and the seasons to come to allow God's love to flow in and through you out into the world, to be kind of like a conduit of love in our world. Friends, you know this is way harder than it sounds. And sometimes it's most hard with the people who are closest to us. Love is is the thing that must define who you are and how you are known in this world. 
if you want to be a faithful follower of Jesus. It must direct your steps and thoughts and words and deeds as you walk on his way. There is no wiggle room. There is no angle to exploit to see, well, maybe I can get an exception or an exemption from this. All who claim to follow Jesus, on this the Bible is clear, love must define and direct you. And that's M with a must. Lastly, where does love propel us? Love empowers us to cross borders. Just like David Wilcox in his song. It empowers us to cross borders. Now, you know this, but this shouldn't shock you. It is not a bold statement to say that we live in divided times. Any amens? Okay, okay. All right, good. That took no courage for me to say that, okay? Yet seemingly, we keep inventing new ways to divide each other. Sometimes it feels like fear grows in power at the cost of love. Or at least sometimes I think that's what the world would want us to believe. This is by no means an excuse, my friends, but all throughout history our world has been filled with warfare, deep-seated division. There have always been the weak and the powerful. Us versus them is not new. It existed in Jesus' day and actually from the very beginning when sin entered into the world. We think that we live in divided times. Every age has thought and believed that as well. In many ways, it's a little bit disheartening to realize this, but also somewhat comforting to know that, okay, we're not totally alone here. Which is why the way of Jesus and what he taught and how he lived is so radical both then and especially now for you and me. God's way of love is not weak or passive, but strong and active and always unexpectedly powerful in ways that you can't even imagine. Like seeing that guy cross that wooden bridge with his hand out. To the other guy who was going to get more wood, initially it made no sense. Love empowers you to cross borders. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm giving us some verses that we don't always like to hear. I'm just letting you know that this morning. Jesus not only tore down the walls of division at his birth, he continuously crossed the borders that separated and excluded. I think one of the things that made him so human was that as a baby, that was one of the first acts that his family had to do. They had to escape where they were to avoid persecution and cross the borders as refugees into Egypt just to survive so that God's plan could go forward. He knows what that's like. Jesus told his listeners, if someone forces you to carry their pack a mile, you go too. He befriended people like Matthew, a hated tax collector, and not only befriended him, but actually invited him to be one of his closest followers. Can you imagine doing that? 
Come on to my team. I want you. Join the office. I can't stand you. And no one else can, but you have a place here with me. Can you imagine doing that? But perhaps Jesus' most powerful example about this kind of unexpected love in action is the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a story that many people know so well. The Samaritan who was robbed and beaten and left for dead at the side of the road. And a priest comes along and crosses over to the other side so he can avoid whatever this thing is down here. And then another guy, an assistant priest, comes by and he does the exact same thing. He just keeps on moving along. And then finally, that Samaritan comes along and sees him and stops to help. And actually goes out of his way to bandage his wounds get him on his donkey, bring him to an inn, pay for him to have some recovery time until he returns. If you want to look up that story again, that's in Luke 10, by the way. And the Good Samaritan is that powerful example for all of us. We know this. But to Jesus' first listeners, it would have astounded them and completely subverted their expectations of what Jesus' love was all about. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. The racism went back centuries. Samaritans were viewed as an inferior people and viewed with prejudice and disdain. And this is who Jesus holds up as the par excellence of loving your neighbor. It would have been scandalous. Jesus was illustrating that kind of love that 1 John describes a little bit later on. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. My friends, Jesus fearlessly crossed the gap not just crossing the gap for you and me, but actually showing that we too can do this. He showed the way of love, reaching across cultural and spiritual and political and racial divisions. Like then, and this is hard to hear sometimes, this is exactly what Christ expects and demands of his followers today. This is a look-in-the-mirror moment, if we're honest. Instead of giving fear power to grow in you and actually misdirect or misguide your steps, embrace the fearless power of Jesus, the fearless love of Jesus. That actually empowers you. It is a love that enables you to cross borders, tear down barriers, Reach out beyond the differences and divisions and disagreements that you have. Embracing fearless love can actually drive out the fear within each of us. This might look a little bit different for each of us. For some of you, maybe reaching across the divide begins most closely in your family. Or your own home or neighborhood or community, or workplace. Or perhaps it begins with a look in the mirror by softening and opening your heart 
today. I invite you to respond to the empowering love of Jesus. It's a love that invites us to make room for all, whether we think someone is deserving or not. This is really about the Christmas story. The people who we thought might have a place in, at, in the stable and surrounding this event, those people are not there. It's all the people who maybe didn't think that they deserved a seat who got to be present for this announcement. Friends, there is amazing power in this kind of radical love, a love that willingly puts others first, or a love that takes the first step. Sometimes it looks like building a bridge as a gesture. Sometimes it's about being willing to listen and not defend. But it always is seen when we choose to see someone else not as a stranger, but as one who is equally loved by God, welcomed into his presence and invited to a seat at his table. This is the depth and power of God's love. This is the gift of Christ, and indeed it's the very heart of Christmas. It's a long week to get to Christmas morning on Saturday. You know, you might, you, might, you might think that there's so much time between now and Saturday. But I really want to invite you as you draw near to Christmas this week to seek to rediscover it in a new way. Find that amazing love of God and allow it to propel you forward and enable and empower you to cross the borders that you need to cross. For this love is the only love that has the complete power to save the world. Friends, let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning. We are grateful for the opportunity to learn from your word, to reflect on this most amazing story, and to be able to do it together, brothers and sisters, young and old, all bound by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we give you thanks for this moment and we ask for your continued blessing now and in the week to come. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.